Previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. The other day, I walked right up to him. I made the gesture with my hand, my right hand. Could you roll down the window? I don't think I look all that menacing. He looked up at me, rolled down the window. I said, I watch you do this. What are you doing? You come in the car, you listen to the radio, you read the paper, look at you, you got coffee. What are you doing? Looks up at me and goes, I don't want to wake my wife. Oh, isn't that nice? Isn't that sweet? Yeah, that is. I don't want to wake my wife. I didn't say, I said, great. You know, and I walked away with the dog, but I'm thinking, get her out of bed. (laughs) The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. That's what I would have done. I would have just said, honey, it's time. Let's get up. I got stuff to do. And you're going to have to get up because I'm not going outside. Anyway. um, Do you see what's above the fold in the paper, hon? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's important to, right. to, to know what's going on in the world. Absolutely. So I don't have a, be- I have a beginning, and it involves Sean. But I, before we get to Sean, um, I should mention that there is some sports news. If you care about basketball, you'll know that the number two overall pick, um, the kid from Duke was the number one overall pick. And then Oklahoma City selected at number two Chet Holmgren who is the seven foot one or seven foot two inch kid who was born and raised in Minnesota, who went to Gonzaga for an hour and a half and who weighs about 160 pounds. And, and my fears for him, anybody's reasonable fears for him. Although to be fair, Kevin Durant didn't weigh anything when he got in the league. He did not. And he was a great player, but reasonable fears for this kid, Chet Holmgren are that because he plays center He's going to get really pushed around by older, stronger, tougher men. Well, now I don't have those fears because he's not going to play all year. He had a Lisfranc injury, which I believe is spelled L-I-S-F-R-A-N-C. And Sean was very helpful, did some research on this. And it apparently goes back to the Napoleonic era when Lisfranc was a surgeon of sorts and noticed that a fellow had, uh, a soldier, had fallen off his horse and contracted gangrene in his foot and performed amputation surgery on a part of his foot to try and get him, I guess, back in the war to help Nappy. Yeah, you know, back in the game. You know, because we're about to go to Elba and we're about to lose. <laughs> um, and so henceforth, am I right on this, Sean? Henceforth, injuries to this part of the foot just back from the toes, in the middle of the foot, are called Liz Frank injuries. That's, Do I have the essence of that? Yes, the, the Liz right? Frank joint is sort of that joint that's... Oh, okay. So I, I read about a football player, it's less than two weeks ago, whose name also escapes me, who had a Liz Frank injury and was declared immediately out for the year. Chet Holmgren, before he stood up with this injury, was declared out for the year. He's out for the entire year. He's a second overall pick, and he's out for the entire year. Now, the general manager, I, I did read this, the general manager of Oklahoma City, who I believe is Sam Presti, said, nope, no problem. We'll wait. He's going to be a great player for us. We'll wait. Well, he's out for the entire year based on this one injury. So if you get, you know, you, you'd almost want anything over a Liz Frank, maybe not a gunshot wound, right. but you'd want almost any disease Ahead of a Liz Frank injury. I'd never heard of this till about three years ago. Somebody else had one of these and was out for the year. Some star quality player. Uh, the, the football player, Matt Corral from the Panthers. The, yeah, the, 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 the quarterback. Yeah. That's right. He so, was in an exhibition game. He's out for the year. Out for the year. And so Mayfield and Darnold 
will battle it out, although Mayfield has been already named the starter. Yeah. So if you get a Liz Frank injury... Yeah, you're done. And I'd never... Michael, you're younger than I, wiser. Had you ever heard of a Liz... Never heard of this injury, but it seems like there's going to be a target on that foot for whenever he does get on the court. Yes. One of the the Morris twins is going to step on his foot (laughs) the moment he gets back. Yeah. That's what they do. And he'll be out another year. He doesn't weigh anything, this kid. Reminds me of Odin when he would get the micro fractures, and you're like, is this kid... We were different because he was a bigger guy. Very big and yeah. thick, Greg Odin. Yeah. But he had the Do you know the sad story about Greg Odin? No, it's not. Greg Odin had always wanted to be a dentist. Really? But his hands were too big. Sure. They were too big for someone's mouth, and, and so it was not going to work for him to be a dentist. I remember that very distinctly. Greg Oden played for about two years. He didn't play much at all. No, Out of Ohio State, right? Ohio State, yeah, he was a great college player, but never could stay healthy. You know, just couldn't. But never had a Liz Frank injury. No, no, no. It was like, like micro fractures. That was the first time I'd heard that term, a micro fracture in somebody's knee or something like that. It's just. But, yeah. I've heard Liz Frank. It, it pops up every once in a while. And again, particularly if you've. It goes followed, back to Napoleon. You yeah. guys love saying this term, Liz Frank. Liz Frank. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Jim, Jim. Well, I went to school with a guy named Al Frank. So if his Not if Al he had, no Al Frank F R A N K Al Frank he was the announcer for the basketball team at Harper College, and if he had a sister Liz she'd be Liz Frank, <laughs> you know. But if that was F R A N K, not F R A N C, the you know the Parisian spelling of it. Well, she hadn't gone to college yet. Not in Napoleonic times, she hadn't. We're making her up. There is, to my knowledge, there is no Liz Frank. There's no Lizzie Frank. But there was an Al Frank. That's what I'm saying. All right, let me get to the Sean part. We have this email. You ready, Sean? This is for you. I'm ready. We have this email from Andrew Ordway in Colorado Springs. And it says, Mr. Tony, up until now, Sean has just been a welcomed voice on the pod, (laughs) dispensing concise, helpful info from time to time. But after hearing in the last episode that he has broken bread with you at your house, it made me realize that the littles know very little about Sean. I have a few questions. Question one, Sean. Who is he? Who are you? Describe yourself. Describe yourself. I'm just a guy in New Jersey who, you know, worked in radio for a long time and now works with podcasts all the time. Is Sean his real name? Although, why would somebody repeatedly use a fake name on a pod? Really? Would anybody do that? (laughs) Is Sean your real name? Yes. Okay. How did you convince him to help produce a podcast whose studio rests on an old wooden table that was part of a heated estate settlement? <laughs> I, I think I volunteered. It's been a while, but yeah, I think that I volunteered. You didn't have to convince me. Okay. Where is he from? But more importantly, who is someone more famous from the same place? <laughs> I will hang up and listen, writes Andrew Ordway. Okay. Well, I'm originally from Staten Island, so... Wow, Tony Reale, born in Staten Island, I believe. Sure, and uh, a couple of guys from Saturday Night Live. I moved around yep. a lot when I was a kid, so I don't. I'm not really from anywhere. But had I stayed in the same place, I had I potentially would have gone to high school with either Vince Vaughn or Mike Madano. So, Mike Madano, the hockey player, yes. and Vince Vaughn, the actor. Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. Yeah. He's a big cat, oh, baby. Yeah. He's 6'5", Vince yeah. Vaughn. Yeah, I met Vince Vaughn. He's really big. The only two actors I have ever met that are really big are Jeff Goldblum. He's about 6'5", or 6'6", oh, yeah, six, six, but really thin. Tall. Yeah. 
and Vince Vaughn, who's not thin. He's I mean, he's out. not thick, but he's... No, he's filled out from what he was when he was a kid. Yeah, yeah he's like 6'5". Yeah. Most actors, my, most actors are Tom Cruise. Yeah, very They're short. not that big. Dustin Hoffman, very yeah. short guy. Yeah, They're yeah. not that big. So, so you would have... What high school did they go to? Um, well, uh, Vince Vaughn was from Buffalo Grove, uh, Illinois, which is... I lived there when I was very young. And then I lived in Livonia, Michigan, where Mike Madonna was from. So... So you've lived in a, didn't we have this discussion of how many places you have lived, permanent addresses? Tell people how many <laughs> permanent addresses you've had. This is Sean. I, I am now in my 21st permanent address. I just My dad was middle management for an insurance company, so we moved a lot when I was a kid. That's 21st? Yes. That's a lot of addresses. He never turned them I'm on my, you know, I'm a, I, I have had about five in my life, <laughs> six, seven. 21 permanent addresses. I mean, well, well, is a permanent, a permanent address is, how do you define that? Is it in a different town or is it in the same town? I mean, some of, you know, I've, I've, I've lived in various spots in New York city, like five right. times. Um, right. you know, there are a couple of those that are in the same town or another town over, but yeah, I've lived in six metro areas. If that. But you've lived sense. in a lot of different states. Yes. Have um, you collected the license plates? Do they, you display they them on the They don't let you wall? keep plates anymore. It's mm, you have to send them, them back. You just oh. have to take them. I think that's what you have to do. But then they mess. They with want you insurance. to send them back, but they're not going to send you to jail. Keep the you, old driver's license. <laughs> do you punched? keep old driver's licenses and stuff like that? I do not. No. I, um, you could do that in, in case there's a uh, born identity situation. <laughs> you know, you might want to have some alternative situations. I'll write that down. Yeah. 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 So all right. So I, I hope that answers all of Andrew Ordway's questions, which is, is sort of presumptuous on Andrew Ordway's part. But I, I think he speaks for a lot of people because when we get different voices, yeah. mm -hmm. people go, well, who's that? Well, what do they do? Yeah. You know, like, Sean like, has contributed to our jingles. Did the yep. tax man song? It's brilliant, it's wonderful. Yes, you know, and has has kept us running throughout the entire pandemic. That's right. Yes, which we wouldn't have done. Yeah, I mean, because let's be fair, you wouldn't have been able to do it, <laughs> okay. and certainly I wouldn't have been able to do it. Yeah. And Michael wouldn't even attempted to do it. <laughs> to be fair, I did get your phone line working. That's true. Yeah, that's so. I have phone now. I'm happy. I've, I'm the last landline guy in the world. But it reminds me of when people were curious about Claude because they'd heard his name before. Yes, Claude. But they'd never heard him, and they all assumed Claude, that Claude went to Bandon, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Claude's playing golf in Bandon Dunes. Yeah, he's a big golf fan. Yeah. Well, that's you know that's yeah. good. Well, they, they didn't know who. Well, they thought well, Claude was, didn't speak. They thought he was French. Oh, was his name is Claude Lisfranc. <laughs> And he is, he's Parisian, you know. What did, what did we learn today? What did I learn? What did I learn about Subway? That's not bread? Oh, the bread is not particular. Oh, yeah, the, the sugar. It's yeah. not real bread? Yes. Depends on where you are. What do you mean? Well, I think different countries would have different standards as to what a fresh bread has to be. I always thought they baked their own bread in-house. You get that smell? Yeah, and, and that, that was, it's not actually bread? I just remember that the tuna fish that they served there was claimed to not really be tuna fish. A, a tuna-like substance. Yeah. Then <laughs> they got very upset. Well, but that happens all the time with cheese, sure. where it says cheese food. <laughs> it's not actually cheese. It's <laughs> cheese food. And it all tastes the same. Sure. I mean, it, what is that app you have? Oh, Don't tell people about this app. It's called Yuka. And Spell it. Y-U-K-A. Yuka. And you scan the, the, the barcode no, like off 
Yeah, the Euchre fries, yeah. right? Yeah. Spelled different. Um, but you scan the barcode of an item that you're thinking about purchasing, and it grades it out on a scale of like z- zero to 100 to tell you, all right, this is nutritionally good, you know, or this is just crud, If, if know, I crap. owned a supermarket. Stay out of the middle aisles. And I saw a guy doing that, I'd have him thrown out. <laughs> I would. I mean, that's that's disruptive to, to people shopping. Well, it's funny because when you go into Safeway now, you can't use your internet. They, like, hijack it. So, you, so I was trying to scan things yesterday, and I couldn't do it. Uh, just, but, so what are your thoughts on Vivino? Because you can go down the wine aisle, which is close enough to the side entrance at Safeway where you get service, and then you can try and look up the wines to see its tasting characteristics and relative price value. Do you, but you, you know what I'm saying, that it, that it, it, it is potentially harmful to sales, it is potentially harmful to the profitability of a store where people are just scanning things, wildly scanning to find out if somebody else thinks, and just some guy, if just some guy thinks, yeah, that's good for you, yeah, sure, you can buy that. Well, you hope it's not totally corrupted where they get money under the table. You know, Skittles are fantastic for you. Just buy them all the time. I mean, the only thing that I do that, that borders on the unethical in a supermarket is I'll take a big bag of cherries and eat many of them as I walk around. God, that's such an old old school thing to do. do that's you ever what go I to, do. Like, the bulk bin for the nuts and the like. The only cherries. Only do it with cherries. Only do it with cherries. I, th- I think they see me coming. <laughs> you know, they know. Look, they know I'm going to buy a couple of pounds anyway. So if I'm down from three pounds to two, what's the big deal? Really, <laughs> right. I'm going to. I mean, cherries. They jack up the price of cherries. <laughs> it's like eighteen bucks a pound. Oh, yeah, so if you expensive. get them early in the season. Ooh. It's late in the season now, but I just I bought some in Delaware that, that are good. They're good. All right, I, I, I'm I'm rambling like an idiot. Um, <laughs> I will get off now. And and uh, is Steve Sands first or Mark Fine Sands? Sands is first. We yes. have both them today. We yes. have both people ending in sand. <laughs> yes, Fine Sand. Fine Sand and Sands. Steve Sands will be returned, and I assume he is live from um, Atlanta from Eastlake. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is especially for Steve. From DC to Saskatoon. Rope and a yardstick. Rope and a How do you measure the distance to the moon? Rope and a yardstick. Rope and a yardstick. Rope and a yardstick. What a thrill One strong and straight One's flexible <laughs> How do you measure the distance From the earth to the new James Webb Rope and a yardstick Rope and a yardstick How do you measure Minute bull's legs Rope and a yardstick <laughs> Rope and a yardstick The great Brilliant, Dan Byrne. More about Dan Byrne later. Yes. More. We have Dan Byrne news. We'll get to that later. He plays in Steve Sands, who is at Eastlake in Atlanta for the PGA Tour Championships. And I'm carefully wording, I'm carefully wording this first question. 
Is this, in fact, the PGA Tour Championship, or is it who's going to the Saudi Tour the moment this thing ends? What is the buzz? You know what I mean? When you, when you try to identify, you have to do this as a reporter, when you try to identify what is the essence of the event that you're at, that's what I'm asking. What is the essence of this? Well, it's always going to be the Tour Championship, but there is a little bit of a byproduct uh, that is hovering over the event as to who is going to go. And most notably, Cam Smith is the guy everybody thinks is going to go. Once the deposit is made either Monday or Tuesday into his account for whatever his FedEx Cup bonus is going to be, yeah. the thinking is, is that Cam Smith, who is the reigning players champion, uh, has a chance to win the FedEx Cup, won the Open Championship. Uh, the thought is is that probably either Monday or Tuesday that he is going to go. Um, are they saying the same thing about Hideki Matsuyama, or is it basically centering on Cam Smith? It's centering on Cam Smith. The Hideki thing is interesting, at, that he was offered a gajillion dollars. Like, from what I understand, $350, 400000000 million. Oh, my God. Uh, and, and turned it down. Uh, Hideki in Japan, I've told you this before, Hideki in Japan is like Michael Jordan over here. Uh, he mm. has the opportunity to make Tiger-like money um, as far as, you know, apples to apples, as far as golf to golf. Uh, I don't know if he can reach the kind of heights that Michael Jordan reached as far as financially, but with Srixon, which is his company that, you know, they make golf balls and they're big into golf, um, if he were to go uh, to the live golf, then Strixon would probably have to go. And you're talking about an entire marketplace in Japan that is golf crazed. Hideki would be a huge, huge loss. So when you're in the business of going to golf tournaments and in the last, I don't know, four to six months, this is an inescapable conversation about the Saudi tour. I don't know that it dominates, but it certainly is there all the time. Is this oppressive on any level? Is it exciting on any level? Do you say, let's get resolution on any level? Because we don't really want to go on like this forever. Probably all of the above. It, it, you never want to fast forward in time because right. look, time, time goes fast enough as it is. Uh, maybe not in the moment, but when you're looking back on it, it certainly does. You never want to fast forward in time, Tony, but man, I would love to know how this is all going to be resolved because at some point, something's going to happen that's not going to allow the two leagues to exist or to coexist, uh, at least not in their current forms. And, you know, I don't know what's going to take place, but I, I can tell you one thing. There is no comparison between the two, and they're, they're not even competing. The money is so insane from Live Golf that you can almost, almost say, how do you begrudge anybody for taking that kind of money? The money mm -hmm. is so outrageous to me. But if you're talking about legacy, competitiveness, the essence of sports, uh, then the PGA Tour is, is where you want to be. I'm not saying that the guys who are going over there are giving up. Um, they're not giving up. They're still playing golf at a high level, uh, still playing golf professionally. They're still getting paid. Uh, but if you're talking about competitiveness, then as much as there is 
nothing to compare money to money. There's nothing to compare competition to competition. So it just depends on which way uh, the professionals want to go. But again, I don't begrudge them for taking the money. The money's crazy. But if you really want to win events that mean something, um, staying with the PGA Tour right now is the way to go. So you you watch this on a weekly basis. Um, You're involved in it. And suddenly the PGA Tour has money that it didn't seem to have before for players. They have more funds for the tournaments. They have more funds, ancillary funds for popularity, it looks like. There's all of a sudden a shower of money being thrown at the players on the PGA Tour. And if I were a player on the PGA Tour, the first thing I would say is thank you. And the second thing I would say is, what took you so long, right? Is anybody asking that? Oh, yeah. A lot of people are asking that. In fact, I got some funny text the other day when this was all announced um, by Jay Monahan in the PGA Tour here in Atlanta. I got a funny text from Buddy Lens, and it's amazing how they found a billion dollars worth of loose change under the couch. Yes. Um, yes. You know, hey, look under Benny's, Uncle Benny's table. There might be billions <laughs> of dollars under there. Um, yeah. Look, this has been in motion for a few years. It's all predicated on the new media rights deal. The new media rights deal has been negotiated for the past few years. Uh, first year of its existence is this year in 2022. So the influx of money was coming. It, it's very similar to when the NBA or the NHL or the NFL signs a new media rights deal. You know, the salary caps go way up. Um, this one just took a little while. And yes, they they used to move at a glacial pace, and now it seems like they're you know they're running like a cheetah as far as making the decisions and, and making changes very quickly. So, yeah, you could question it, I guess, but you know I, I choose to think that you know the PGA Tour is, is you know running its business, and they got they got punched you know in the face by Live Golf, and they're punching right. back. And, well, and, 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 and yeah, that's I, I agree with that. But it, it sort of, to me, almost makes Phil Mickelson look like a prophet without honor. I mean, I think Phil Mickelson has taken a big hit here. I do. Maybe I'm wrong. I think he's lost a lot. But much of what he said still seems to actually ring true. Or, or am I overstating that? I might be. This is one of the reasons that I think you're brilliant and one of the reasons I love you. Mickelson is getting slaughtered in all of this. Okay. Yes. And yes. he's just getting slaughtered in all of this. Now, a lot of it is his own doing, Tony. Sure. Um, but a lot of it is just the public perception of a, of, of a, of a greedy athlete uh, in their estimation, as opposed to that athlete just speaking the truth uh, after all these years. It, there's a fine line there. Um, however, every player on the PGA Tour moving forward from this point on should be thanking Phil Mickelson and kissing Phil Mickelson's ring. But he's not going to receive the benefit of any of this Mm -hmm. influx of money on the PGA Tour nor the adulation from the players. And that's going to be fascinating moving forward. Now, over time, people might look back and say, man, Mickelson made us hundreds of millions of dollars. 
just by speaking up, he was like the martyr. Um, but right now, you're 100% correct. He's getting slaughtered by people for saying and doing the things that he's done, uh, fairly or unfairly. That's up to others to decide. And he's also never going to receive, in my opinion, the benefit or the adulation. I agree. Um, that, he, I agree. that he probably deserves in all of this. So can Great. can you explain, Steve, can you explain the Rory Tiger thing, what, what that is? Yeah, Monday Night Football, man. So outside of once, once the football season ends and Monday nights clear out as far as the, you know, they have college basketball and the, the NBA right. and the NHL's play, but as far as the massive ticket Monday Night Football uh, ends, they're going to have a series of, 15 events, six teams led by players like Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods. They're going to have an indoor facility somewhere in South Florida, most likely. That's going to have a lot of people uh, filled, and it's going to be live on TV. And they're going to have basically rounds of golf into a simulator uh, not real golf on a golf course like the Medalist or wherever you want to go down in South Florida. Mm-hmm. And they're just going to be kind of take a four-hour round, make it two hours. It's going to be like rock and roll golf, a little bit of, you know, Gen X, uh, millennial, you know, new way to look at golf. And Tiger and Rory are involved, which is massive, clearly. The PGA Tour is involved because Tiger and Rory are involved. Uh, Mike McCarley, who used to be the president of the Golf Channel, um, is involved in that as well. Uh, Dick Ebersol was like a, you know, a huge name in executive television sports in America for the last four decades is involved as well. So we'll have to wait and see. Just a different way to look at golf and a different way to watch some of the best players in the world, you know, with the PGA Tours umbrella over it. Uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, venture to see if it catches on with a young audience that they're trying to uh, get into the game. Completely wild. Greg Norman's probably banging his head against the wall, saying it's the only thing I didn't think of. I should have thought of that too. All right, so let's go. Let's get to the East Lake tournament. You and I both. I'm sure I speak for any rational person. Think that this ten shot thing is insane and just it's it is anti competition as far as I'm concerned. But at least Scotty Scheffler went out there yesterday and had a really good round. You know, if Scotty Scheffler goes out and and plays four good rounds of golf and wins, you know, with with the staggered start that he's got i'm not going to be all that upset what did it look like to you yesterday who played well and and who do you like in this thing yeah i'm not a fan of the start either i I just don't like any sporting event where you don't start at zero and you don't start equally you know the the patriots you know have an undefeated season that doesn't mean they start the super bowl 7-0 against the giants they start no when you go to the olympics and you run in the hundred one guy doesn't start from 60 meters out. It's just not how Correct. it works. You got to run I it agree. all. So I, anyway. I totally agree. It, it drives me crazy that they do it this way. But uh, it has identified in the last couple of years. You know, two, it's only this is only year four of, of the staggered start, uh, and they've had some great winners. And they've had number one seeds win uh, yeah. two out of three times. So it's kind of hard to argue with the system, even though the system might not be. Perfect in our estimation. Scotty Sheffer played great yesterday. Um, a couple of other guys played really well. Did you see Rory's round? How about that? Yeah. Rory had really four good. pars. He had four pars. 
wild round. He started with a triple bogey and then a bogey on two and ended up shooting four under 66. Um, I mean, it's crazy um, what happened yesterday. The golf course is really soft, Tony. It's rained a ton here in Atlanta. Um, they're going to have good scores all week uh, unless they do something ridiculous with the pins and the whole locations. But Scheffler played well with a 65, and that's the, in my opinion, the, the, the issue that I always have with this stagger start is what if the, the, the guy's number one plays well? He played well yesterday. Half the field's eliminated. Only three rounds left, and they're 100 shots back. Yeah. And, and to me, professional sports, sports at the highest level, has to be meaningful all the time. You can't have someone out there just, you know, competing for nothing. I know they're competing for money, but they're not competing, you know, for a title because they're so far back. Um, and I think Scott is going to play well again today. There's no reason, Tony, that this golf course shouldn't suit him well. And by the way, if he does win uh, and he goes out and, and dominates, he was the best player all year. He won four times, including That's the right. Masters. You That's know? right. So at the end of the day, you and I are going to look like dopes. But there, uh, Scotty's going to probably win because he, he should play very well on this golf course, which is soft this week. I think it's a pretty cool event. I mean, I you know we both agree. Oh. You, you start at the same point and you run the full distance, and the winner wins. And this other stuff is nonsense. But it's if you're Xander Shoffley, I think Shoffley is twice. I may be wrong on this. I think Shoffley twice has had the best aggregate score, but because he didn't start at yep. the top, he hasn't won. Am I right on that? Yeah, one of them you won. Um, okay, you know that was okay, before, that was before the staggered start. He, his, my 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 biggest problem with the staggered start is you have a guy like Shoffley, you have a guy like Rory, you have a guy like Cantlay, you have a guy like Scheffler, all these guys who had great years. To me, they're all sports fans. Um, and, you know, they're not just golfers, they're sports fans. The reward, in my opinion, should be playoff event, playoff event, get to East Lake, then you start at zero and anybody wins, win. To yeah. me, the reward should be this week. I understand the finances of it. Someone's going to win $18 million. $18 million. Wow. That's a lot of money. Uh, that is a lot of money. But to me... Starting That's Troy Aikman this money. Week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, did you miss your window in Monday Night Football? Too. Yeah, I understand. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> it's it's just amazing to me that you would ever want to start a sporting event not at zero. You know, yeah. Aaron Wise yeah. played first out yesterday. There are 29 guys here this week because Will Zalatoris had to withdraw. So it's an odd number, not even with 30. So the 29 guys, he went out by himself and played and played very well. He's got no shot to win. Like, no. he's here. He earned his way here. He he's should have back. a chance to win. Yeah. He's 10 like back. Yeah, it's, it. not, it's not. All right. Enjoy yourself. We'll talk soon. Thank you, Steve. All right, Tony. Be good. Steve Sands, boys and girls. Very excited, by the way, about the La Chisa re-night <laughs> yes, he is. in Syracuse. Sent a bunch of texts about that, as is his brother Michael Sands. Very excited about La Chisa re-night. Uh, Mark Feinstein from MLB. When we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is Dan Byrne, obviously. This is a long song. We're not going to play all of it, but it's a beautiful song. It really is. And it's appropriate because Finn died a couple of weeks ago and made so many, literally millions of friends over the course of his career. Tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of people listen to the golden voice of Vin Scully. It plays in Mark Feinstein. Um, I... I saw you in the Jeter series, right? You were in the Jeter series. Did you enjoy that? Did you watch it? Did you like it? I did. I did. You know, it's interesting because I covered the last 14 years of Derek's playing career. So I really thought going in, well, I'm not going to learn very much, but I'm interested to see what it looks like. But I was was impressed that he was much more open than I thought he would be, Um, especially in the last episode, him and his wife talking about uh, you know, the health scare that she had when they had their, their third child. And uh, I thought Derek opened up a little piece of his life that he really didn't didn't open up during his playing career. Um, and, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. And, you know, obviously, who doesn't like seeing themselves on TV, right? Yeah, well, I don't. I don't like seeing myself on TV. I turn away. It's too hideous. It's interesting that, that you mentioned this about Jeter. I, I, I did not think Michael Jordan opened himself particularly and that's, that was a great series, too. I did not think Jordan opened himself up, and I did think Jeter did. And I am informed on this by something that I have talked about in the last couple of years, and, and that is Cal Ripken. I have run into Cal Ripken three or four times in the last, let's say, five years. Just sort of run into him at events or, you know, the, the last time um, Michael and I were playing at the Navy course and Cal was there with his son. And I don't want to say I covered Cal. I was writing columns at that point, and and there was no Washington team, so if you wanted baseball, you went to Baltimore. And Cal was always available in the way that Derek Jeter and Michael Jordan were always available in the locker room after the game. They were available. Did they tell you a lot? No. Every once in a while, they had an agenda, and they called you over, and they let you know something that would serve them. But were they gregarious? No, they did their jobs. And everybody needed to talk to them, and they did their jobs. And I was very grateful for them doing their jobs. 
But the last few times I've run into Cal, he's wanted to chat. He's wanted to chat about things that are not necessarily about sports, about sort of life things in general or stuff he's read about and wondered my, he asked my opinion about a couple of things, which we would never have done during that period of time. You, Mark, you know what this is like. If you cover, you know what this is like. It's, it's, it's sort of a revelation when you see the change in these people, right? Yeah, and it's funny because in the documentary, Jeter admitted that he was boring on purpose. He wanted to yes. be boring. He did not want yeah. to give the New York tabloids, and as somebody who wrote for a New York tabloid for 10 years, he didn't want to give me anything to put on that back page. Uh, and that was all done by design. And so not that he came out in this documentary and was super controversial. I think no. Jordan is a more interesting uh, person and more interesting story. And there were more interesting characters around Jordan. You know, you had Rodman, and you had Pippen, and you had Phil Jackson. And, uh, yeah. But I thought Jeter, you got a little more of a sense of who he really was. I don't know that other than being super competitive, I don't know that I learned who Michael Jordan really was. Jeter, I think, uh, opened the door a little bit. And, you know, people have been waiting to hear, is he going to talk about the A-Rod relationship? And he talked a lot about it. Um, you know, his relationship with Brian Cashman, like some certain things that he never, ever really commented on throughout his career, he, he did open up on a little bit here. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, thought, I thought Rand Wilkins, the director and producer, did a very, very good job. Me too. Me too. So I'll stay with the Yankees for a second. Are the Yankees officially all right now, or are they still, you know, in a tub of sharks getting eaten? What's, what's going on? Well, I think they're in a better place mentally than they were maybe a week ago, you know, going and sweeping a two-game series against the Mets that yeah. uh, almost everybody in the world thought they were going to, Get pounded uh, certainly helps. They go out, now that they're going out to California, a nice little uh, soft part of their schedule here with the A's. Your phone is terrible. Your phone is terrible right now. Stay in one spot. Is that, is that any better? Yes, significantly better. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, um, you know, they, they put Nestor Cortez on the IL now with a groin injury that some people are uh, saying might be more of an innings limit type of an injury. Uh, give him a little bit of a rest. Uh, Clay Holmes, their their closer, who was unhittable in the first half, he's on the IL. Uh, so the, things are not still great in New York. They did get Giancarlo Stanton back, uh, which I think is a nice a nice boost to the lineup, and uh, they'll be okay. I don't know that they're the team that went seventy and twenty eight or whatever their record was uh, at one point uh, that was you know rolling through the American League. The Astros are a better team than them. Uh, they're a deeper team. Uh, and they've got a guy in Justin Verlander who just scares the hell out of you when he takes them out, especially in October. Um, but I still think push comes to shove, you'll see the Astros and the Yankees in the ALCS. Do you think that the three teams in the National League, the two-game sweep notwithstanding, are better than both of them? Probably. I think the Dodgers are better than everybody. Yeah. Um, I think the Mets, if, uh, if Scherzer and DeGrom are healthy, as good as the Dodgers are, I don't want to play the Mets if I'm anybody. If Scherzer and DeGrom are healthy in a short series. If you're in a seven-game series against that team, and you're going to have to face those two guys four, Twice. maybe five times, yeah. uh, that's terrifying. So, um, you know, and then let's not forget the Braves, who are not even in first place and might be better than the Mets. So, um, yeah, I think those three teams are really scary. And the Cardinals, the way they're playing right now, I mean, who knew Albert Pujols was going to turn the clock back 15 years for his final two months of the big leagues? 
How is that happening, by the way? How is that I, happening? You know, it's funny. You sort of think, well, maybe some pitcher said, ah, you know what, let me give the old man one more cookie and see if he can do something yeah. with it. But they're right. all doing it. And so it seems, I don't think they're actually serving it up to him, but uh, he just is re-energized by the idea that maybe he knows because he's already announced the end is the end is coming at the end of this year, uh, and the Cardinals are in contention, and he's got an MVP candidate and Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, and there's a chance to actually do something special here. Uh, it's, it's been amazing. And then the Cardinals are utilizing him the right way. They're playing him against the right pitchers. He's not out there every single day. Um, but, yeah, look, this guy can hit. And uh, how fun is it to see him going for the chase for 700 home runs and knowing that his team uh, is going to play into October, this isn't going to be a superstar first ballot Hall of Famer limping to the finish. That's great. It really is great. Um, let me go to Bryce Harper, who is back today, right? I think Bryce Harper back today after Correct. crushing a couple of home runs in minor leagues. It's minor leagues, but, you know, home runs are home runs. What are your thoughts on Bryce Harper coming back and the effect on the Phillies who – since they've gotten Bryce Harper, I don't believe have made the playoffs. Harper's got an MVP season. They haven't made the playoffs. They've fired a manager. They've done almost everything you can do, and they are not in the playoffs. Well, first of all, I think you missed a big opportunity because Bryce Harper's rehab assignment was sponsored by a company, and I think it should have been sponsored by the Tony Kornheiser show. That would have been <laughs> yeah. fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the Phillies haven't made the, <clears throat> excuse me, haven't made the playoffs in a decade. Uh, so long before Bryce Harper... Uh, was in Philadelphia. The Phillies have been going through this postseason streak. Obviously, they, they have the managerial change in early June. Uh, they get a little momentum, and three weeks later, yeah. they lose their best hitter. Uh, but they've played well, and they're in the playoffs right now. They're in that number two spot uh, in the wild card race, and getting Bryce Harper back for these last 37 games uh, can only help them. He's only going to be a DH. He's still got the elbow problem, uh, the UCL issue. Uh, so he's, he's going to be a DH only. He's not going to be in the outfield, but they don't need him in the outfield. They need his bat in the middle of that lineup. And if Bryce Harper can come back and be Bryce Harper, uh, they're going to end that postseason drought and they're going to be, they're going to be in the playoffs. Ultimately, I don't think they are good enough to beat the Dodgers, to beat the Braves, to beat the Mets, or maybe even to beat the Cardinals. But I think for certain teams uh, getting to the playoffs, even if you lose in the first round, means something. Uh, I think Philadelphia and, and Seattle in particular, yeah. those two sort of fall into that category. Do you have them both in right now as you sketch out a playoff scenario? Do you have them both in? Yeah, I mean, you're looking at the wild card standings, and really there's only four teams in each league vying for those three spots. So uh, both of those teams are in at the moment. And, uh, yeah, I think I think both teams will, will break those droughts. Seattle has been in the playoffs since 2001, so... Uh, it's the longest drought in North American sports. So nice to see, uh, you know, some young guys out there really, you know, shining. And Julio Rodriguez is already at 2020 this year. Uh, had the Monster Home Run Derby performance on a national stage. And he's an energetic, fun kid who, uh, if you haven't seen him play, get, try to get to a TV the next time he's on. Who are the people who are out? You have San Diego out or you have San Diego in? No, San Diego's in. Um, I have... Uh, uh, Atlanta or the Mets, whoever ends up losing that division, uh, mm. Phillies and San Diego. And then in the American League, uh, it's looking like um, Tampa Bay. Now, of course, I'm blanking on, on uh, Tampa Bay, Toronto, and Seattle. 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 Yeah, that's so it. So not Baltimore. Um, you don't have Baltimore. 
Baltimore's two and a half out, I think, right now. Uh, look, how that would be the best story of the year if Baltimore got to the playoffs. Yes. Um, I think the fact that they're in this race uh, is enough for them. I just said, like, teams like Philly and Seattle getting to the playoffs is enough. I think for Baltimore, who is at least one year ahead of schedule, if they can stay, hang around this race, play meaningful games in September, even if they don't get in, this was a great year for them and a building block year and a year that they brought up some of their, their young guys. Adley Rushman came up. Um, this kid, Kyle Stowers, came up the other night, and, and, and uh, his first home run is a game-tying home run in the ninth inning. They're gaining experience that I don't think anybody expected them to have this year. Uh, I'm not saying they can't make the playoffs. I think it's still possible. Um, but when, you're, when your final month-and-a-half schedule is loaded up with teams in that AL East, uh, that's not as good as playing no. the Rangers yeah. and, uh, and the Angels down the stretch. No, no, and yet I, I am so dead set against the schedule next year where everybody plays everybody and they cut from 19 games, I think, to 12 games within division. I love the division games. Baseball is a local sport, and when you care about a division, you want to see those teams all the time, or do you, do you disagree with that? I can take both sides of the argument. I agree that the division games are important. I think it's going to be 12 or 13 now. Um, but Not I also enough. think with the, with the way that the playoffs are now set up with three wild cards, um, it's not sort of what I just talked about. Baltimore has, you know, 72 games or, or something around there against the, I said 76 against the Yankees, the Rays, yeah. the Red Sox and the, and the Blue Jays. And, you know, Tough. they're fighting for a playoff spot against Seattle who gets to play, you know, the angels and the Rangers and the A's 19 times each. So, in that aspect, I uh, you know I understand the idea of balancing out the schedule a little more. And from baseball standpoint, you know you hear people say, "Oh well, you know Mike, Mike Trout's never played in this city, and, and these fans have never gotten a chance to see him." Well, now every other year, uh, every team will will visit every other city. So in terms of just sort of getting out the the product around the country, um, you know I, I see where baseball is coming from there as well. Thank you for mentioning the Angels. Thank you for mentioning Mike Trout. It leads me to this question. Yesterday we talked at great length with Barry's Verluga about the learners selling uh, the Washington Nationals. Why on earth would Artie Moreno sell the Los Angeles Angels or whatever they're being called this year? <laughs> uh, well, number one, he's going to get a lot of money for them. Uh, number no. two, I'm not sure how much fun owning the Angels is for Artie at this point. They've... You know, he spent the money. He spent $188 million on the team this year, uh, but he hasn't spent it well, and he hasn't gotten results, uh, and and maybe he's just tired of it. I mean, I, I don't know Artie Moreno personally, so I can't speak to his psychological aspect of why he decided to sell the team, but, um, you know, maybe looking at it and, and just deciding enough. He's tired of the criticism. He's tired of... Uh, of losing and losing and losing, and that's where they've been. And uh, you know the fact that that Mike Trout has played three playoff games in his career um, and lost them all. Uh, I think Angels fans are probably happy that there's a potential ownership change on the horizon. Joe Madden talked to uh, Mark Topkin from the Tampa Bay Times last week uh, when when the Angels were coming to Tampa Bay, and of course he was not with them, having been fired earlier this year. Yeah. And there was he was talking about how the sort of the um, the institution there has to change. The way that they, you know, sort of the whole setup of the whole organization has to change. They're very top-heavy, right? You've got Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. You still 
can't pitch beyond Otani, uh, and they've tried to make some moves. They brought in Noah Syndergaard. They brought in Michael Lorenzen. Uh, but they just they haven't been able to build around the edges beyond those two stars. They tried with Anthony Rendon, but that's another top-heavy yeah. star there. Even if Rendon was being Rendon, he was healthy and, and killing the ball, he can't pitch. He can't get out out of the bullpen. They don't have a bench. They just haven't had um, sort of the institutional wherewithal to build a team. Um, and some of these big contracts have, have sort of been onerous. I mean, Josh Hamilton and Justin Upton, and it just hasn't gone well there. And uh, I think much like football fans in your town believe that an ownership change is the only thing that's going to uh, change that team's fortune. I think some people uh, out in that Angels fan base are, are rejoicing in the idea of a new owner coming in and, and trying to fix that thing. Sort of sad to me because Moreno is going to look like a loser. You know, that's going to be his epitaph, loser. And, and he spent a lot of dough. You know what I mean? He tried to be a good owner. He was not controversial, right? I mean, he went out and tried to get stuff. Yeah, he tried. Uh, you know, I think when you spending money on your on your big league team is not the only reason teams are good, and it's really not the main reason teams are good. I look at the Yankees and the Dodgers. Actually, I had this conversation at the ballpark yesterday with somebody. I look at a team like the Yankees, the team like the Dodgers, and say, yeah, they spend a lot of money on their payroll, but they spend even more money on their infrastructure. And that's what the right. Angels have been lacking. They, they spend money okay. on their academies in the Dominican, and they spend money on their scouting and their analytics and everything else that makes the organization successful that helps them, you know, bring up minor leaguers and develop a system. The Angels, the Angels were just ranked number 30 by MLB.com's minor league rankings for the entire league. They have the worst farm system in the league. So they have this bad team with a couple of big stars that draw people to the ballpark, and no help coming down the pike. So these are the things that have to change, and uh, unless that infrastructure changes, and Artie Moreno has shown no ability to want to change that infrastructure, uh, it was just going to be the same old thing every year. And so new owner comes in, and, and we'll see whether they're able to do that. Hmm. I wish somebody luck there. I mean, I'd, Otani and Trout especially. Anyway, thank you, Mark. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Talk soon. Thanks, Tony. You got it. Mark Feinstein, boys and girls. Not on his way to camp this weekend because camp is over. <laughs> That's right. Camp is over. The camp season is over. He's back in the ballparks now. We will take a break. We will have email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's mailbag at your here comes Mr. Tony's mailbag on a reason for all of your folks. Do you want big names? <laughs> Darius Rucker, a big enough name for you? <laughs> Doing the mailbag theme? Big enough? <coughs> Excuse me. Bethesda Bagel ad. Yes, we love Beth Bethesda Bagels. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. That will just about do it for us today, although it is spelled is today, for is today. But before we get to the mailbag, <laughs> let me just say, my dog Sam eats purple flowers. We ain't got much, but we got sours. We dig snow and rain and the bright sunshine, dragging the line. Tommy James and the Shondells. It may have been their last big song. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's yeah. the last big song. Thanks to our guest today, Steve Sands, Mark Feinsand, everyone named Sand. Dolph Sands should have been on the show. 
Thanks as well to today's sponsors, Freshly and Me Undies. Great read by Michael. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. I promised you, Dan Byrne News, I have. Well, do you mind Dan- if I give a quick announcement first? No, what? Uh, so, new season. Uh, September's just around the corners. I uh, believe we are going to have the new Johnny Oak oh, Johnny- live this weekend. That would be TK Week 1. That's the numerical number one. All in for week one. And we also have uh, we have exciting news to share is that a friend of the show, Jared Freed, is in D.C. I believe he's at the D.C. Funny. Improv oh, all yes. week. Jared's funny. Yeah. He's great. Funny. Yeah, go see him. Funny. Go see him. I believe the hammer will be opening for him for the 945 show. <laughs> That'd be great. Well, now that he's potty trained, he can stay up late. <laughs> sure. From Jason Smorall, Dan Byrne is in. We have received numerous RSVPs of regrets. Not one person who can actually take advantage of the free tickets. <laughs> Somehow, Jake Hafner, oh, it's pronounced Hafner, Hafner, I'm sorry, Jake Hafner got in touch with Dan Byrne, and for a few gummy bears and some burnt pretzels, he was able to adjust his schedule and come out to La Cheeserie Night. Dan will be singing the national anthem and singing some tunes at the 315 Bullpen Bar during the game. 315 is, I guess, the area code up in Syracuse, New York, I believe. I have specifically requested rope and a yardstick, which we heard earlier in the show. It's no cone shuffle. We are two weeks away from La Cheeserie Night, and Jake, Dan, and I are going to have a great time together. Hopefully, a few littles show up. Jason Smorrell. And from Dan Byrne, Dear Nigel, wanted to give you a little update. The Syracuse Mets wrote me and asked if I could show up on the 7th of September for La Cheeserie Night. I wasn't going to be anywhere nearby, so I said, gee, sounds like fun, but I don't think I can make it. Then when I heard their email on the show yesterday, I thought, all right, how can I not do this? And the upshot (laughs) is, I'm planning to fly to Syracuse to play a bunch of baseball songs and other songs which tie into the Tony K show on 7 September at their game. I will also perform the anthem and throw out the first pitch. (laughs) Connective tissue indeed. It's, you got the first pitch, too? It's incredible. <laughs> it's just brilliant. This is simply incredible. Yes. And I hope I hope when he throws out the first pitch that they give him one of those satin jackets and let him keep it. Oh, sure. Because yeah. those things are, those are nice. Those are gold, Jerry. From Bruce Loing, <laughs> L-A-W-I-N-G, Loing, from Concord, North Carolina. I'm writing early on the East Coast since I know Mr. Steiner will still be sleeping. Great news. Next year, the Gregorian calendar gods are in your favor. It has something to do with lunar equinoxes and Pope Gregory. Get the Capital Weather Gang to explain it. But the net effect is 2023 is an exact duplicate of 1967 in relation to the days and the dates. All you need to do is get the Aloha Tower calendar back by April, and you can accurately tell what day it is for those 31 glorious days in May right there at Uncle Benny's table. If you and Mr. Steiner alternate these occurrences, he will have the accurate calendar in May of 2034, and your turn will be 11 years later in, uh, just be sure to get it by this April (laughs) to be safe. From John Buchanan in Annapolis, Maryland. Wallet in back left pocket, cheese and chaps, keys and chapstick in front left pocket, phone in front right pocket. That's it. That's the email. I'll hit send and listen. Phone's left front. Kenny Smith, not that Kenny Smith from Front Royal, Virginia. Not the jet. Catching up on the podcast and your ongoing battles with the squirrels. Your comments reminded me of a statement a good friend of mine made about squirrels. A group of us were talking about squirrels. Squirrels playing in our yard, squirrel feeders, you know, all sorts of squirrel cuteness. My friend just stared at us and stated, you know, if we called squirrels North American tree rats, we'd treat them differently. (laughs) And we would. From Patrick Clark in Dunmore, Pennsylvania. Please join our family in celebrating the marriage of my brother Matthew Clark, a current D.C. Little by way of Northeastern Pennsylvania, to the person whom he will soon be related by marriage, Alexa Lamana. 
this Friday, that's today, August 26th at the Shoreham Hotel in Washington, D.C. It feels like each week the podcast Connective Tissue weaves its way through our very large family. We are from Dunmore, Pennsylvania, the hometown of former Binghamton coach Tommy Dempsey, a member of the wedding party, played basketball under him at Binghamton. We attended and we are all familiar with all of the summer camp turn-by-turn navigation, Camp St. Andrew alumni. Family members at this wedding actually don't just know the mighty Susquehanna River, they live on its banks. Our last brother to get married did so at the Otisaga Hotel. Many years ago, you would stop at our aunt's restaurant, Papato Cafe, on your travels up Interstate 81, and the last time we had a family event at the Shoreham, we kidnapped one of our brothers and took him to Chatter. A picture is attached, the lovely picture, though the full story exceeds the, exceeds the scope of this email invite. Many thanks for the years of entertainment, the, familiar, the feeling of familiarity and comfort the podcast brings your listeners keeps us coming back. Well, that and the page-turning mystery of the great Burger King hustle. <laughs> if you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Hola, nosotros somos Pineapple Landscaping y escuchamos el show de Tony Kornheiser. Pero este show apesta. Thank you. How do you measure the distance from D.C. to Saskatoon? Rope and a yard stick. Rope and a yard stick. How do you measure the distance to the moon? Rope and a yard stick. Rope and a yardstick, rope and a yardstick, what a thrill, one strong and straight, one's flexible, how do you measure the distance from the earth to the new James Webb, rope and a yardstick, rope and a yardstick, how do you measure minute bull's legs, rope and a yardstick, Rope and a yardstick. Tonight I feel so far away, so far away from you. What did you do tonight? I'm driving my truck. Up and down the coast From north of Seattle To the Mexico line Right now I'm in San Bernardino All day long It was 95 degrees But at least tonight I get to hear The golden voice of Vinscully job for too many months it's time to move on if i couldn't try to just do my paintings i wonder if i could come up with a rent i still root for the yankees back east never did take to these local teams but to hear the golden voice of it. 
valley and pick up the game. Pull off the road, jump out of my van, lean against the hood, still hot from the drive. Trees fade out in the black of the night. Sometimes it don't hardly seem worth a fight, but at Dodger Stadium right now is the loneliest place in the world. 